Coming up on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. The Cougars are back home and looking to get back on track against Boise State. The head coach is here along with senior defensive lineman J.J. Nwigwe as we are live in Studio C for BYU Football with Kalani Sitake starting now. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake presented by Intermountain Healthcare. And now your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Hello again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah, for another edition of the Sitake Show, your weekly look inside the BYU football program with a review, a preview, along with some stats and stuff, and a one-on-one with a BYU player. And we invite you to join the conversation by submitting questions for Kalani on Twitter using hashtag Sitake Show, as well as Facebook and Instagram on the BYU TV sports accounts. Here's what's in store coming up in the next hour. We'll review the South Florida game and preview the matchup with number 14, Boise State. Our film room segment tonight features running backs coach A.J. Stewart. We'll roll out the top 10 plays of the first half of this season. Deep Blue explores the compelling story of Kyrus Tonga and J.J. Nwigwe joins us in studio. We get tonight's show on the road by saying hello to BYU's fourth-year head coach, the former five-year fullback, Kalani Sitake. Hey, Kay. How you doing? Good to see you, Greg. Good to see you. Well, always more fun to have the show when we've had a few wins to talk about, and right yeah. now we're not at that spot. Uh, how are you and the guys dealing with the little slide that you have going on right now? I mean, obviously the guys are disappointed, just like the coaching staff and myself, but uh, we're going to work hard, you know, and that's the only way that you can respond to adversity. And uh, we, we've dealt with some adversity in the past, and this is uh, nothing that's new to us. Uh, obviously, we would like to play better, and that's my job as a head coach is to make sure that we put our players in position to, to play better and have success and win games. And so I look forward to doing that against a ranked team in Boise State this Saturday. You guys came off a of bye week this past week and uh, headed down to, uh, to Tampa. South Florida, and you were in control of this one. It felt it felt uh, like it was going to go your way for a long part of the day, and then it slipped away at the end. Yeah, and, and you know, evaluating all of it, I think it's it's the uh, combination of a lot of different things and mistakes that were made. But um, you know, we just need to do a better job of closing out the games, and especially when we we've done in in, in the past years, we've done pretty good with elite Absolutely. time, and so yep. this is uh, not like us, you know, and and um, so we've got to find ways to finish the game and. and uh, be aggressive the entire 60 minutes. Okay, BYU falls at South Florida by a score of 27-23 on Saturday. Let's uh, see how it all went down at Raymond James Stadium this past weekend down in Florida. Beautiful venue, NFL venue. The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers were overseas. Their place was free, and so BYU and USF played a game. And early in this one, Isaiah Kafusi, opportunistic. Yeah, and he's in the right spot. You know, we had we, uh, spy coverage and, and forced the quarterback out of, out of the pocket, had some extra guys in the rush. And then here's BYU's first touchdown of the day. And what a ball by Jaron. And what a great grab by Dax Milne being held off with one arm. Made it with made it a one-handed grab. Dax has been doing that since he got here. And it's uh, good to give him an opportunity to see the ball go deep and for him to come down with the one-handed catch. And he's a, he's a playmaker. Here's a play where USF gets back in at quarterback hit as he throws. And I don't know if he was going for the wide receiver or the tight end. But the tight end makes a great diving catch there in the end zone to make this 13-7. to BYU still had the lead. We head to the third quarter. BYU leading at 16-7, still a, a decent lead. And uh, Jordan Cronkright, their fine running back, knocks one in, and it's a 16-13. And Jaron Hall showing off the other part of his athleticism. Great run here. Yeah, we know, we know that he's got great athleticism and, and ability to make big plays with his feet. You saw him throw the deep ball to Dax, and then he, he can also run the ball, and that felt really good with him with the ball in his hands. BYU had a nine-point lead and helping to 
keep the Bulls in it was Bentley Sanders on this kickoff return. Gets clipped by one of his blockers right here and takes him off balance just enough to uh, force him to cartwheel. Before long, though, USF finding Chaz Ayu. And Chaz Ayu has his first INT of the season, first of his career. Made a couple yeah, big defensive plays in back-to-back games. Man coverage there and, and uh, you know, we're able to create some good good disruption and get the quarterback to get a bad throw. But you know, the key in the defense was being able to stop the run in the second half. That was a problem that we had and uh, looking to, f- to fix that. Not good enough for the run defense the entire season so far in six games. BYU does find itself trailing late, 27-23. On a fourth and seven, Baylor Romney has come in now for Jaron Hall. Finds brother Gunner Romney, but uh, BYU kept short of the line to gain. The Cougars would get the ball back in the final minute. One last chance to try and try to go ahead touchdown. Baylor with a nice eight-yard rush. And one of the nicest catches we're going to see in this game. Talon Shumway laying out, taking a hard hit. Tough play by Talon. And this thing gets laid as he, Baylor takes a sack uh, late in the contest. Yeah, and unfortunately we had the lineman go down on that play. And, uh, you know, we, we had the, uh, the clock was going to run. So uh, we had a running clock, had a 10-second runoff, and had only one uh, chance for one play. And, uh, unfortunately, I'm not able to come down to that, with that win and that, that touchdown at the end, but it shouldn't have came down to that. We had way too many issues and way too many mistakes in the, in the, you know, the 59 minutes before that. BYU did a lot of good things in this game that don't result in the win, plus turnovers in the margin, uh, plus 15 minutes in possession time, a total offense advantage, uh, 55% on third downs, another good number. So a lot of good things happened. But uh, like you said, Kalani, just uh, the finishes have been lacking lately for BYU in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and that's what we got to get fixed. And, and, and I think um, the defense to, to buckle down and stop the run when you have a lead uh, and then teams are trying to get points on the board and they try to do it by the run game, it shouldn't, it shouldn't happen to us. And we've been better than that before. Our, our cover teams on punt and kickoff has been better and, and uh, didn't show on that game. Our next graphic here talks about the run defense. That's been a staple of your tenure here at BYU. Very highly ranked every year. This season, uh, more of a challenge. Uh, where do the improvements start, do you think, in, in being a little more stout uh, against the run? Well, it starts with me as a coach and, and getting them in the right scheme and the right spot to make sure that they can stop the run. And then, um, you know, the, for our, our coaches and our players to work well together, the, the, the players work hard, and so we, we've got to do a better job, and I've got to do a better job coaching those guys. BYU quarterback Jaron Hall, we saw a lot of them there in that clip. I was having a really good day, I thought, in his first ever start uh, behind center on, on Saturday. Just on that part alone, for a kid making his first start, how would you say that uh, Jaron Hall did before he ended up being knocked out here in the, in, in the fourth quarter? Yeah, unfortunately, he got hurt. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a trooper, and uh, that, that was really hard, you know, us breaking him in, getting him ready for the, for the game. We had an extra week and felt really good with his progress, and uh, just sad that that he that opportunity that he had in that game was cut short. But uh, I thought Baylor stepped in really well, and and, and uh, we put him in a, in a tough spot, and he was able to to answer and, and play as aggressive as he could, possibly could. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, rely. Unfortunately, we were relying on our on our depth at quarterback and yeah. a lot of other positions. But that's football. That's how it works sometimes. Well, it's pretty early in the week as we talk right now. It, it's Tuesday. Do you have a gut sense uh, of where Jared might be uh, for this week's game? Um, that's like a, a training room question, you know, the sports, sports uh, medicine department. And uh, I, I think the most important thing is that we do what's best for Jaron and his health and his future. And so we'll see how it goes. It's still day-to-day. As of right now, if the game were played today, he would not be playing right now. But uh, fortunately, we have till Saturday to, to make that decision. And um, it's just a, a matter of how much practice time and how much, right. uh, how much that really can, can uh, we expect from him not practicing as much and how much we can use him in the game. So... Uh, right now, we're focusing on moving on without him, and if he if he's able to go, then 
Uh, that's an added bonus for us. So, so if you have to start Baylor-Romney against Boise State, we presume it to be Baylor because he played ahead of Joe this past weekend. Uh, what do you like from what you saw uh, from Baylor at USF, and what do you think he can do well uh, moving forward as he, as he progresses? I think I mentioned this before. He, he has really good um, composure, and I thought that he stood in the pocket really well and, and delivered. He wasn't really um, nervous about the pass rush. He seemed comfortable there uh, for, a, for a guy that hasn't had a lot of reps and significant reps in the game, you know, being able to do this. We, we've seen him do this in practice and seen him do it for the last year when he was redshirting and things like that. So uh, I know that he's got a lot of athleticism in his family and he's a tough kid, you know, so um, I, I expect him to, to be able to perform uh, as well as, as any of the quarterbacks that we've had. And we're, we have him and Joe Critchlow that we're working with right now in the, in the quarterback position and um, you know, we'll, we'll, get, we'll do whatever it, co- it takes for us to score some points on the scoreboard. Yeah, so on, on the points notion, uh, if you compare the first few games this year to the first few games last year, BYU is gaining more yards, moving the ball better, but not scoring a lot more points. And, and I guess we have to look to red zone first of all, right? Last year was a good yeah. red zone year, and this year it's dropped off. I think it's, it's looking at being efficient on, on all three phases of the game. And I think defensively we talked about the issues that we have there, and offensively it's... It's uh, finishing the drives and getting in the end zone, you know. So uh, we're, we're up in yards and all that stuff, but really the points is all that matters. That's We have to score more points to, to win games, you know. And so uh, defensively, I think the, the issue is to stop and run and, and offensively put points on the board. And, and uh, seven usually does better than three. Absolutely. And even though you appreciate what Jake Goldroyd's doing as a field goal kicker, and he had another long one for you on, uh, on the weekend, 51 yards. The long field goals, that actually helps the team because if you, if you stall, that can help you out. It's when he's having to kick the shorter field goals that you're like, well, I'd prefer his PATs at that point, right? Yeah, and then, then that's really just about the drives and being able to uh, sustain drives and, and not be caught in a bad position when you're in the red zone and third and long and things like that. And uh, being able to – we did better with being in third and short. It's just yeah. you'd like to be in third and short in the red zone area and, and the extended red zone area. We're going past the – the 40-yard line. So yeah. uh, that's things that we need to improve on, and, and we've got some uh, guys that are getting a lot of significant reps. We have to simulate as much as we can in practice and so that they perform in the game. After some struggles with third and short this year, BYU was perfect on third and short uh, against South Florida, seven for seven on those third and threes or shorter. So that part got fixed. It's just too bad it didn't come uh, and result in a win. As it was. Yep, and that's uh, you know what comes down to it. Defense has to stop people from scoring. Offense has to score points, and and special teams has has to do whatever they can to flip the field and get us in a good position to have success, whether it's uh, you know pin them deep or, or get a good return in order for us to have a shorter field. Okay, that's our breakdown segment. Heading into our first break on the show, this reminder that for your day-to-day Cougar Sports play-by-play, watch BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan weekdays noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. When we come back, we preview BYU and Boise. The Broncos have their own quarterback injury issues right now. We go inside the film room. Running back coach A.J. Stewart with Jerem Jordan from BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. BYU Football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. Healing for life. You are seeing our from BYU's last win against Boise State in 2015. Back with more of the Satake Show here on BYU TV, the app, and BYU TV, and giving you this Saturday's game day broadcast schedule. Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio starting at 8:15 Eastern, with BYU TV's countdown to kickoff at 9 Eastern. The game's on ESPN2 and BYU Radio. 
at 10.15 Eastern with post-game coverage on BYU TV and BYU Radio deep into the night. Well, it's that time of the show when every week we take you inside the plays with an assistant coach highlighting some of the good stuff from BYU's last game. Assisted by our own Jerem Jordan of Sports Nation fame. This week, running backs coach A.J. Stewart takes us inside the film room. All right, certainly wanted the win, A.J., but a uh, season-high 218 rushing yards. How did you feel about the rushing effort? I thought we, uh, going into the game, we were really big into uh, finishing our runs, and I wanted our guys to uh, just try to get an extra two yards per carry um, with the way they finish um, and just playing at a high level. I thought we accomplished that for the most part. Okay, let's break down some of that film, starting with an inside zone with Emmanuel Supa. For sure. He really gets the first point of contact right here, you know, at the 32-yard line. And by the time the play's over, he's at the 41. Two main things that happen on this play that allow him to be success that, su- successful that we talk about on a day-to-day basis. First, he hugs the vertical seam. And it's basically that block right here that the tackle's making. You want to hug that block as tight as you can because this guy's going to be the next man uh, to the ball. And so you want to be able to maximize the space between you and that guy and allow yourself to have a chance for run arm tackle or same foot, same shoulder on contact and fall forward. And so as you see here, he does a really good job of that hugging it tight, and that makes this guy's tackle a lot uh, tougher. The other uh, term that we use on a day-to-day basis and we drill is uh, Zeke drill. And I got the, I use the term Zeke drill because Ezekiel Elliott, he, if you ever watch him, he does a really good job of keeping his eyes up. He grabs his wrist and gets really skinny on contact, and that promotes pad level for one, and then your eyes are up. And I tell my guys all the time, your eyes are up, you have a chance to make the guy miss. Do you have a Zeke drill where they jump in a Salvation Army bucket as well? Is that part of the deal? <laughs> if we could celebrate, we probably would. That'd be fun. <laughs> Lopini Katoa had his best game of the season. Uh, let's check out an inside run from uh, Lopini. Okay, a lot of the same coaching points here. He uses another uh, another technique that we call same foot, same shoulder. What, what I mean by same foot, same shoulder is that your, your near foot and your near shoulder hits the guy at the same time, and that allows you to power through and use your momentum uh, to, to not only have better pad level than the guy, but to be able to barrel through him. And he did a great job right there. Okay, and let's finish with this. Outside zone now with Lopini Katoa. Yeah, see here kind of what, what we're looking at. He's reading uh, the, the tight end's block. They, they're... Um, trying to set an edge, and so he needs to get his eyes to his secondary key. Okay, his secondary key gets uh, shoved front side, and so that's, he anticipates that. You see it here, puts a foot in the ground and gets vertical, okay? And once, what that does is ma- forces an arm tackle here, and that's why he's able to get vertical. A couple other things that he pr- could have done to make this run even, even better is just stay vertical here and then pick a side on number eight, go same foot, same shoulder on contact like you did earlier, okay? Um, and I always tell my guys, the end zone is, is this way. How did you assess Jaron Hall as a runner? Uh, he's great. He's natural. He, uh, he understands uh, space very well. He understands how to get vertical. He understands how to cover the ball up and protect it. And um, He has really good pad level in the run game as well. Big game with Boise State, a rival, a top 15 team. Uh, we always had a couple of these this year. I guess yeah. what's a, a key or two to Saturday's game? I think if we play just a little bit more physical, and finish a couple of more of these runs, I think will make even a more profound impact in the run game. And, and hopefully that, that helps, you know, the team's success. And so that's what I'll be coaching this week. And we'll, uh, we'll just continue to work and, and we'll see uh, where our work takes us. Okay, bundle up. It's going to be a cold one Saturday night. Right. Thanks, brother. All right, thank you. 
All right, great stuff from AJ and uh, Jerem. Next up for BYU, it is 14th-ranked Boise State Saturday night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's BYU's only October home game. The Broncos 6-0 on the year. Trying to be that best G5 in the country. They've won three in a row over BYU. And Kalani, another typically terrific Boise State squad. Yeah, Coach Harson has done an amazing job there in Boise. And, and uh, they, they replaced uh, some really experienced uh, quarterbacks, you know, with, with a, a, a group of them that uh, saw time last week uh, with that freshman, Bachmeyer, leading the way. And then, um, But they've had a couple other guys come in and score points. They were up 17-7 to when he got hurt, and then they put on 52 points on the scoreboard. So uh, they're an efficient group, and, and they play well. They have the, All their returning O-linemen are back and so from last year, and so uh, it's going to be a, a, a big task for our defense. We better be ready to play, you know, and uh, we'll do whatever it takes to get us in a position to, to have success and to win, like what A.J. said earlier. So you referenced it there. Uh, Bachmeyer, who's a freshman himself, was having a great start to the season. He gets hit in the hip in that Hawaii game, leaves, and they still play well without him. At this point, Coach Harson says it's not season-ending, that much we know. But I don't know how confident they are about him getting back in time for BYU. Either way, uh, they played two other quarterbacks uh, on, on Saturday against Hawaii. They ran two wide receivers out of Wildcat as well, so a bunch of guys took snaps. But those two quarterbacks got a lot of meaningful reps, and I'm sure that Coach Harson feels that you know, not having Bachmeyer is not great, but they feel confident with the guys they've got. Yeah, we're planning on seeing him in the game. That's, that's our mindset, set is seeing the starter. And, uh, you know, that it doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback because I think they, they've shown that they can score points regardless. And so uh, we have to be on top of it. We can't sit there and worry about someone being hurt. We've got our own issues to deal with right now as a team. And uh, we're expecting their best shot. They have a, they have a great group of uh, talent, uh, talented receivers and skill players at running back and things like that. So uh, the physical team, and, and uh, I think the key is going to be for us to match the physicality at the, in, in, the, in the trenches at O-line and D-line and, and see what happens. Okay. Now, it was interesting. Uh, BYU came into uh, the forefront as Boise State's, one of their best players, uh, set a Mountain West Conference record for career sacks. His name is, his name is Curtis Weaver, and he broke a record that uh, Jan Jorgensen held. Uh, from BYU in, in career sacks. I think Jan was at 28 and a half, and, and Curtis Weaver uh, hit 29 and a half a couple of weeks ago. And uh, so he's a, a special player, Weaver that is. And there you We've see where. him a lot. What's that? He's yeah. been around for a long he time. He has been. So, yeah. And uh, you see where Jan stood, stood up with, with Jerry Hughes, a great lineman from, uh, from our great linebacker from TCU. He was an edge rusher at TCU, I think Hughes yep. was. Yeah. Uh, and it, it got us thinking a little bit, too, about uh, it's been a while since BYU left the Mountain West Conference, of course, but there's still a number of. BYU records that are still in their books from back in the day. And we just said this isn't all of them, but just a few of them. And some of those great names, Hall and Kali and, and Unga. And uh, so BYU still hanging around the old league in a way with some of the records that they set through some productive years there. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's been prolific uh, stats there. And we've got to get, find a way to get back on it. And it's be a good week for us to perform on you know, offense and defense and get some good stats to build up on it. So as for this Boise game, Kalani, it's been a while since you played a game in Provo. It's uh, been a while since you played a, a night game, too. You've had four straight afternoon games all around the country. This will be a late one, probably 8-15, 8-20 kick, and it'll be a cold as it tends to be in late October in northern Utah. You ready for it? Yeah, it's about that time, you know, getting close to uh, Halloween and uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving, Christmas. So uh, I think winter's coming, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it was nice to see our, our, our fans out in, in uh, Tampa, in the Tampa area, you know, so... Uh, looking forward to being back home, though, and seeing our fans around here. And, and I know our players are excited to play at home against Boise. Are, are we going to be dodging snowflakes Saturday night like they have us on the screen right now? I do wonder <laughs> about that. 
hopefully the forecast isn't that isn't that rough. But uh, either way, it, it is going to chill out a bit. Uh, Saturday's game, also the uh, first game of the second half of the season for BYU. Cougars 2-4 and four through six games, of course, with a couple of P5 wins. Uh, we are at the halfway point of the Cougars' campaigns. So we decided to take a brief look back at the top ten plays of BYU's first half of the season. Snap of the place are good. Oldroy, let's see. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Toa featured back. The option look again. Hall. End zone touchdown, BYU. Jaron Hall. Not one but two fakes. Green wasn't able to secure it. Matchup top of the screen. Third and ten. Wilson going to take a shot. And that is hold in. Hefo again. Oh, what a move from Hefo. To the end zone, touchdown! Keaton Slova's shotgun. Looks and fires quickly to his right. Picked off! Diving interception made! Just shy of the 30-yard line! Short drop for Jaron. Goes for the end zone, looking for Milne. Dax Milne, did he haunt him with one arm? He did for touchdown! Dax Milne with a great grab! Forge Messi, all press. Play fake. Wilson setting up, takes a shot downfield, and oh, what a catch! Touchdown, Dax Milne! of an empty set here. It's a design quarterback run for Wilson. Straight ahead. First down and touchdown. BYU has the lead again. Yep, it's Williams. Pushing toward the end zone and no signal yet. Absolutely horrific, gut-wrenching loss for the Tennessee Vols, who had it with about 30 seconds left in regulation but couldn't hang on. Slovis going to throw, zips it, passes tip. If it's picked off, the game is over. It is intercepted. Gawolaku got it for the Cougars. Fun look back. Yeah, that seems like, uh, <laughs> man, 
the six games flew by, you know, and, and obviously not not uh, happy about the, being two and four right now, but uh, looking forward to the next six and, and trying to find ways to make more memories. Uh, and I think our players are excited about the opportunity that we have a, a ranked team coming to town. So looking forward to the Boise, the Boise game this Saturday. Hopefully more big plays to come in the back half. Uh, bowl eligibility is going to be the goal every season, of course. You know you've got six games left, have to win at least four. It's out there for you. Yep, yep, we've got, got to get it going. So, uh, you know, got to win the first one and then focus on Boise State and, uh, you know, and try to improve on what we've already done this, this year in the first six, six weeks. And we've got some great opportunities for some other guys to step in and, and make some plays and, and uh, be in the next in the next highlight for the next 10, 10 great plays of the next six, six games. Okay, as we head to break, we want you to know that you can enjoy a full hot breakfast buffet, dinner Monday through Wednesday, kitchen and large grassy backyard along the Provo River Trail, all at the residence in Marriott in Provo. This reminder, Mondays, 1 Eastern, 10 Pacific, we talk with BYU's football coordinators on the Coordinator's Corner with Jeff Grimes, Elisa Tuiaki, and Ed Lamb, Mondays at 1 Eastern on BYU TV. We're off next week with the bye week, but we're back one week from Monday. Break time now. When we come back, the coach takes your questions in studio and social media. It's at BYU Football with Kalani Kitake. All right, welcome back to the program. Coming up Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, BYU-Boise State, BYU's 10th all-time meeting with Boise and a regional rivalry that has uh, BYU's players eager to end Boise's three-game win streak over the Cougs. They're one of those teams that I think they're a lot like us. They just they play football the right way. They, they're really good in their technique, very good, well coached. So really it's just like a copycat team. We just have to finish that one. I think we just got to continue to finish and take advantage of the opportunities they get and we'll, we'll be able to pull it off. You know, you never want to, you know, take a step back, but sometimes you have to have moments like that as you're moving forward as a program to, to learn from it. And I think our guys will be a lot better um, because of, you know, a tough, heartbreaking loss like that last year. We're going to have to go in there uh, confident with that, with that killer mentality and just try and, try and beat them. And I really be- believe it's because of some of those experiences last year, as painful as they were, that will be in position to make better decisions in those situations this year. Uh, they're a very physical team. They're very smart in how they play and very sound in how they play. They're, they're very well coached. And so if we're going to be able to beat them, we're going to have to play all four quarters hard and fast. All right, Q&A time on the Satake Show. We've got the live audience and social media questions queued up. We'll start this week's Q&A session right here in Studio C at BYU TV. And Stratton Lewis is at the mic. Hello, Stratton. Hello. Hey. Uh, so I have one question for you. Uh, how long have you been coaching? <laughs> I've been coaching 19 years now. Oh, yeah. nice. Is that the only question you have? Yes, it's the only question. <laughs> take, take you us can look it. it up on the bio or something like that. <laughs> it hasn't all been at BYU. Tell us where you've been. Yeah, so uh, first year at Eastern Arizona, two years, uh, sorry, Eastern Arizona, then a year at GA at BYU, two years at Southern Utah, uh, 10 years at at uh, Utah, one year at Oregon State, and four here here at, at BYU. So, yeah, and I, I've, I've aged quite a bit since then. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, but it, I'm having a lot of fun. Co- coaching is a fun job, and and uh, it's it's just you get to be around great people, fans, and and young men. So it's it's nice. Stratton, thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, from social media, Andrew G. Garrett on Twitter. Uh, what is your long-term vision for the BYU football program? Oh man, I. I, I 
obviously long-term vision is always built around the players and and I've, I've been lucky to have great people around me when I came through with my experience here at BYU and and uh, I owe that a lot to, to Lavelle and the, the wonderful staff that he had around me when I was when I was playing and so uh, but the experience that I had being around uh, the faculty and staff and the fans here at BYU helped shape me into the man that I am today you know so I think uh, the most important thing is for our, our players that think about the future and think about the things that they're going to learn here at BYU because it's helped them become a better father and husband and uh, great contributors in the community and that's why I'm focused on helping them do that and uh, the best part about adversity is how, how much you learn and grow through it we were going through some tough times right now but uh, my dad always says that you know tough times don't last tough people do and this is a tough group with a lot of tough fans and and uh, we, we're willing to match their expectations so we're hoping to get that done Okay, back at the mic here in Studio C. Friend of the program, Brenton Farrell. Hello, Brenton. Hello, Greg, Coach. So um, you've mentioned before that a lot of mistakes come from somebody, a player, trying to do too much and going outside of their role. So what is the key that you found with this particular team that helps keep them disciplined and avoid the inconsistencies that come with trying to do too much? Well, I think part of it's like a catch-22 because part of it is, is allowing them to uh, use that, their athleticism and their instincts as well, you know. So there's more than just one way to do things. And I think the the key is to teach them the foundation uh, and teach them the things that they need to do, the assignments, and then allow them to use their athleticism and instincts to take over. Uh, otherwise, they're not going to be aggressive. I, I've talked about being aggressive quite a bit. And uh, being aggressive means that they just go and play and have fun and do their deal, right? And uh, that comes with a lot of rehearsal and practice time. But I think that some, sometimes in the game, you just have to figure it out. And uh, I think the biggest, uh, probably the best example I've seen of a guy doing that is Kyle Van Noy. He just finds a way to make plays. And uh, if you notice he's doing that, he did it in college, and he's doing that in the NFL still because he's allowed just to go out and be free. And, and it's not all all uh, basic stuff and fundamental things. And some of the things that he does is just uh, you don't know why he's doing it, but it works out because he just has the instincts on it. So a balance of both. Okay. Brenton, thanks. Social media once again, at CDShaw99 on Twitter. Are you involved in the defensive game plan, and how much do you talk with Coach Tuiaki about it game to game? Yeah, I am. I mean, I think the, the most important part for me is to be heavily involved in the defense, and, and I, I'm responsible for everything that happens in this program, you know, whether it's special teams, defense, and offense. And uh, I think there's a time to really get involved uh, heavily um, if, it, if needed, and uh, there's times that I can take a, a step back and allow them to, to grow. But I think for the most part, my job is to mentor him as a defensive coordinator and, and to, you know, look at some of the mistakes that are made, look at some of the things that highlight the, and praise him when things that we're doing well. But uh, I have an expertise that's, that's unique, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to use everything that I got. And, and as, as we talk about it, E and I have a great relationships, so uh, it's, it's never going to be a problem for me and him to, give direct and honest feedback to each other. So looking forward to this week and, and seeing some of the things that we can improve on from last game. Okay, back in studio to Sam Fletcher at the mic. Hello, Sam. Hello. Um, so my question is, uh, what age do you think kids should start playing football? I don't know. I, I think that uh, it all depends on whatever your mom and dad say is the most important <laughs> age. So uh, they, they know you better than you know yourself, and I would just rely on them. I I think it's okay. I have a son, and uh, I think it's okay for him to play flag football at first and learn the game, and then eventually when he gets around middle school to high school years, around eighth grade or so, think about playing football. How old were you when you started playing? I played since I was little, but um, times are different now. And, 
you know, we, we know more about the science of football and, and about uh, the contact sports. And so I think it's important for everyone. So it's so different. I mean, I, I grew up, I was skinny and small. So, I mean, believe it or not, I was really, really small growing up and, <laughs> and uh, I was always the, 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 the small kid. So I think it all depends on, on how you match up with your age group and, and uh, how much fun you can have playing the game. Okay, this is definitely a non-football-related question coming in from social media. At Cougs and Reds 24 on Twitter says, Tom Holmo is known for epic Halloween costumes. If you two, you and Tom, were going to a party together with matching costumes, what would they be? You see some suggestions there on the screen. What do you think? And Tom does a great job, by the way. He puts a lot of thought into his Halloween costumes. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I can't sit still that long to have the makeup and all that (laughs) stuff done. And so I... I usually just go with something simple, you know what I mean? And when I was younger, I just I just did whatever it took to get candy in the bag. So um, now that I'm an adult, it it's not, doesn't mean as much. But I, I actually, every year, we're, we're excited to see what Tom's dressed up as. He was Lord Voldemort one time, and it honestly scared me a little bit. <laughs> How so, good it was, yeah. Yeah, it was really good, and, and yeah. he's done some crazy. He was a... Uh, um, Gosh, I'm trying to think of what else he was. Well, he was uh, he was the Mad Hatter one year. Yep, that's right. Uh, he was Abraham Lincoln one year. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He and, and uh, I mean he spends a lot of time in makeup doing all that, and I think the student athletes love it. You know, so I think a lot of the athletes got into it themselves. We always do the trunk or treat deal with the athletic department. So looking forward to seeing what he dresses up in this year. But always good. I'm not much of a dress up guy. I just like the candy. Yeah, Tom does not get out of the park though every year. Uh, it'll be all over social media. You won't need to worry about what he, you'll find it on social media when uh, Halloween week rolls around. All right, heading to break folks. A West Coast Conference a Player of the Week, Whitney Bauer and the ninth ranked women's volleyball team have won 10 in a row hosting conference rival San Diego. The Toreros just outside of the top 25 right now. So toughest league match of the season for BYU. I watch it on BYU TV Friday night, 9 Eastern and 6 Pacific. Coming up next, we check in with our Cougars and the pros. We get to know Kairos Tonga and we visit with J.J. Nwigwe live in Studio C. This is BYU Football with Kalani Kitake. BYU Football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. Healing for life. All right, today's Cougars in the NFL board looks like this. Fred Warner continuing to make an impact for the undefeated 49ers. Six tackles in a TFL as the Niners beat the Rams. Ziggy Ansah with a strip and a recovery. And a Seahawks win over the Browns in Cleveland. Taysom Hill did a little bit for the Saints in their win against the Jags. And Michael Davis had five tackles for the Chargers and a loss to the Steelers on Sunday night. So cool to see the intros to the defenders and see Michael Davis, BYU. He was a great player for the Cougs, and he's turning out to be a heck of a player for the Chargers as well. Well, a few weeks ago, we visited right here on this show with BYU defensive lineman Kairos Tonga. It's a great conversation. We got to know him a little bit more and a little bit more about the Cougars man in the middle. Tonight, a more personal look at Kairos' life and a special in-depth feature we call Deep Blue. Kairos has been fun to coach. He's a he's an awesome young man. Really made strides in this last year as a vocal leader. Which you know, if you were known Kairos before, you couldn't get two words out of him. In high school, uh, my mom it was hard for her. There's times where she would be in the shelter, and uh, we couldn't we couldn't be there. So there's times where I was just I was going back and forth, like looking for a place to stay. Like every night, I didn't know where I was going to go after school. 
my dad was never really in the picture. It was it was hard. It was a it was a rough time, and then um, my senior year, he was adopted by another family, and this is one of his best friends' family that took took him in. My mom, she basically asked him if they can take care of me, and that she she can't like uh, help me anymore. Uh, so that was hard for me. I, I just felt like uh, someone was giving up on me. She was gone from there. Going into my senior year. Um, I got into some trouble. I couldn't play football. I couldn't be around anyone. Um, I was on, on house arrest. I felt like everything was just getting taken away from me. I, I learned quickly um, that blessings and disguises. I got into the church. And my family helped me, like, started teaching me how to pray, started teaching me how to read the scriptures. he gone through a lot at a young age, and so the fact that he was able to embrace such a wonderful family, for the Tonga family to to love him and it was a show how much just loving someone and caring for someone can really change their entire life. He's a living proof of that. Finally graduated that senior year and I was getting ready to go to Utah. And my, my pops, the, the guy that I'm with now, and we were driving and uh, I just told my dad, like, that I think I want to serve a mission. And he just like stopped the car and he's like, you want to what? I was like, I want to serve a mission. I, I didn't know what was what I was going to get myself into, but it was just something I just felt like I needed to do. That was something my wife and I always wanted him to do, was go on a mission. But at the same time, we didn't want to pressure him or force him. So I said to him, I says, well, why do you want to go on a mission? And I'll never forget what he says. He said, you know, God's watched me all my life. And the least I can do is give back two ears. And right then I knew it was sincere because all he wanted to do in his life was to play football. But now he understands that there's something more important than football. I left as soon as I got clear with my bishop and, uh, and I went. And without the mission, I don't know where I would be. Um, I don't know if I'd be at Utah or get into trouble, but I'm here at BYU and it's, it's been... It's been good for me. And the Cougars bring pressure. In trouble. And set up Tonga. The expression of gratitude is, is him. He is so thankful for everything and, and can't, can't express enough how much he shows his gratitude and how grateful he is to everyone when he could easily uh, complain and quit a long time ago. Slovis to the air. Gets hit. And taken down for a sack by Tonga. Having Kairos as a brother um, fills in the missing puzzle piece that we never knew we had. Even though I love Utah, um, I am a Kairos Donga fan. That is the only player I will ever cheer for. I think he just knows that we love the youth so much, so he's kind of used to it. We joke around and say um, he's a chimpo, if you guys know Mulan. The big, the biggest guy in the whole movie, but he's the most graceful, the most loving. Looking at the pictures, like our family pictures of Kairos not in it, it's kind of weird. We don't like looking at it because we always know that someone's missing. And so we don't really frame those pictures up because it's just, it's not our family. You know, there are people that God put in your path for a reason. When he used to talk about his struggles, I would think to myself, where was I? 
I, where was I when all of this happened? And he would just look at me. He would say, Mom, it's okay. Because in a way, I, I knew if I had him earlier, he would not go through those struggles. Because I'm very protective over my children. And I love him as if he was naturally ours. So my heroes are, are my mom and my dad. They mean everything to me. Um, everything I am, everything I will be, just because my parents, it's been a little crazy, but I wouldn't change anything, so. Well, Kalani, you, you love all your guys, but uh, not hard to see that you've got a special spot for Kairos. Oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, got him to sign at a different school, and then, uh, you know, he just the way things worked out, he went on a mission, and, uh, just saw a huge transformation in a person and just makes sense for him to be here at BYU, even with his sisters wanting to be <laughs> Utah. You know, I just, uh, I, I feel like he's he's a part of our family that we needed here at BYU as well. And uh, we have a lot of cool stories like those guys on, on our team. And there's a lot of guys that are even going through some adversity and some tough times now. And uh, it's the fact that they get to represent BYU and the church and, and uh, that they have wonderful fans that love and support them. Uh, that, that means a lot to these guys, and, and, and I'm speaking for them because it, it actually, the fans and the support and the love you give them, the prayers that you give them, they, they feel and they, they sincerely appreciate everything that our fans do for them. Right. Well, I'm glad we got to see that, too. We're going to stay in defensive line mode right now as we welcome in tonight's player guest. But he wasn't always on that side of the ball here at BYU. He's played offensive line and tight end before switching over. Great to have with us tonight, number 88, J.J. Nwigwe. see you. Have a seat. All right. I think it's our first visit with you here on this show. So let's, uh, let's backtrack a little bit. What got you to BYU initially? Um, to be honest, at first, uh, I never really heard about the school. I just know that um, all Texas fans hated BYU and Taysom Hill. <laughs> and um, so they uh, offered me and I looked into the school and it was like the best fit and like with me and my family and my mom was like, oh, I love this place. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying anything, but I like that school a lot. And so it really helped me come out here. Okay, so you already mentioned Texas and your home was, at least where you played high school, was Rockwall, Texas. Yes, Explain sir. where that is. So Rockwall is about 20 miles east of Dallas. And so up here, people are like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, Rockwall. It's like, where is that? I was like, uh, just Dallas. <laughs> but it's 20 miles east of Dallas, and it's kind of like a cross between a city and a farm town. It's got a little bit of water from what I can tell. There's like a big lake nearby or something like that, yes, right around Rockwall. Lake Ray Hubbard. Yeah. Did you, did you get on the water a lot or not your thing? Uh, not my thing. <laughs> I was more the indoors type. Let's play <laughs> video games with my little brothers. <laughs> uh, your BYU career has seen you on the O-line. Uh, some tight end, lots of special teams as well. You've kind of seen it all, haven't you? Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> it's been it's been fun to play like different remember, positions. Remember this play? <laughs> I still remember that play because <laughs> I remember coach was like, "JJ, we're going to give you the ball next time the offense goes on the field." And it was a turnover, and I'm like, "Oh my, this is it, this is it." <laughs> and I'm running out on the field, and they say, "Hud," I remember going out 
for the play. And Joe looks at me, he's like, oh, there he is. And he throws it to me. I'm like, please catch it, please catch it, please catch it. <laughs> and then when I caught it, I didn't know what to do. So I just ran straight and just looking at the sideline and looking at all my teammates and looking at the coaches decided for me, it was really fun. Kalani, how about the decision then to take him away from that glory on the opposite side of the ball and make him a D lineman? Well, I mean, he's tough enough. He played O-line, you know, and, and, and athletic enough to go to tight end because they needed a presence on, on line of scrimmage and blocking and, and uh, catching. Right, but blocking was the main thing, and then, uh, you know, we recognized how how tough he was, and and uh, now him playing D line, it was important that we redshirted him last year, and so that he can get schoolwork done and, and graduate, but also uh, to give him. I think we felt like there was a need for him on on D line, and we first started him out at D end. He he's a tweener. He plays D end and D tackle, and he's strong and tough enough to handle the the inside D tackle position, but has a lot of speed and athleticism to play on the outside too. So. Uh, he's a big part of our D-line and our success on defense, and he's a guy that holds the ground a lot. And you know, So uh, I think he, he's going to make big plays for us and looking forward to him doing it against Boise on Saturday. Yes, sir. <laughs> How did you feel about switching over? Did you have to catch the vision and uh, uh, what Kalani had for you? Um, well, uh, switching over at first, like on offense, is you kind of know the play and you go to execute, uh, execute it on defense as far as reaction. So at first... I would, and even still now, like sometimes I'll just overthink things and just like, okay, like usually I'm used to be told what to do, but not to like react. And that was kind of the biggest thing, but um, the D-line and Coach G and Coach Galani have like put their arms around me and like helped me learn how to play defense. And it's just been a really fun time. Okay, how about life in Provo, life on campus and all that? How's it been with you? Um, it's, a, it's cold here. <laughs> <laughs> um, from Coming from Texas and Coming here, I just remember my first day, it snowed on campus, and I look outside, and there's snow on the ground. I'm like, okay, I'm going back to sleep. And I'm like, wait. I was like, are there people walking up to class? I'm like, is class not canceled? No such thing as a snow day around here. (laughs) And I was like, what are these trucks doing? I was like, oh, they're going to ice off the ground so everybody can go to school. I'm like, whoa, so we got class today. I was like, okay, let me get ready, man. But I think that was the biggest change. And um, school here is a really good school, but it's very rigorous. So um, a lot of studying time and uh, really good degrees here, and so I really like the school. Okay. Uh, what are you hoping to accomplish here in your final uh, your final season? Um, just contribute to the team as much as I can and uh, try to help our like team to play to the best of our abilities and try to win some games and um, get a degree from a great university. Okay. you got Boise State coming in uh, this weekend. Ranked team. Uh, of course, national attention as always. Uh, your thoughts on uh, on hoping to beat a, a second-ranked team here at home because you did it against USC earlier in the year. Um, I'm just ready to play uh, Boise State. I think when we play them, um, just the like you know, it's just a rivalry game, and it brings out the best of both teams. And and um, competing is very fun to do. Definitely when you go against those guys. So we've been preparing this week and had a good day of practice today so hopefully you know that can carry over to the game okay uh there are different forecasts for saturday night right now i'll just tell you knowing how much you love the snow don't look at any forecasts okay (laughs) (laughs) bundle up it might be a little chilly saturday night is all i'm gonna say you've been around this long enough to know how it goes the one october november here in provo oh yes sir i think the coldest game i had was when i was playing o-line my freshman year and we went to go play in utah state at the end of like towards november i remember that one and uh, <laughs> I remember going to the locker room and I started bundling up, like put leggings on. I think I had like two shirts on and the O-line comes up. He's like, last game of the season, O-line is going no sleeves. <laughs> I'm like, 
okay, he must be talking to y'all. He's like, no, everybody. <laughs> but you know how linemen have the persona, like, don't wear sleeves, you know, like. Be tough. Be tough. And so I didn't wear any sleeves that game. And I just remember at halftime, I could not feel my feet. And I was just next to the, I was next to the heater the whole game. <laughs> I never really left the heater. And so <laughs> um, everybody just like, okay, I applaud you for um, doing those sleeves. But next time you can share the uh, with some other people. Well, I have heard, maybe Kalani can confirm this. I have heard there may be some heated benches in store for you guys. Have you heard that too? Best way to get warm is make plays. Okay. You're not having it. Hit somebody really hard and you'll get really warmed up. So that's, <laughs> that's the only way I know how to get warm is it hit somebody, be aggressive, and run really fast. Okay. Forget the creature comforts. Yeah. Have a great night Saturday. Appreciate it, JJ. Thanks for coming in. All right. Fans, did you know you can have your groceries waiting for you to be picked up or better yet dropped off at your front door? It's all done online at smithsfoodanddrug.com or on their app on your phone. Download the Smiths app and save time. Shop online. As we go to break, here's a trivia question. BYU at South Florida this past Saturday. Matt Bushman caught his 100th ball. Who's BYU's all-time leader in receptions? The answer coming up after the break. Stay with us. Hoffman, 260 all-time catches. Great stuff. All right, uh, last minute of the show. It's been more than a month since BYU's last win. Boise's a rivalry game. It's a home game. Uh, every reason to be fired up. We've heard you already. You're, you're ready to go for this thing, aren't you? Yeah, I think the guys are ready, too. And, and uh, we've got a lot of energy and excitement for the game. And, and, and we know that... Uh, we have been playing well, and, and this is a good, good opportunity for us to, to change it all and to do it at home. I think it's a great time for us to be at home right now. All right. Best of luck to you and the boys on Saturday night. Go Cougs. Okay, Let's we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, fans, to request seats for the show in two weeks, because next week's the bye week, go to byucougars.com slash sitake show. Next week we are off for the bye. We'll talk to you in two weeks at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Mountain, 4, 5.30 Pacific. For Director David Holiday, producer Jaron Gordon, J.J. Nwigwe, the coach, Kalani Sitake, I'm Greg Dubell. This has been BYU Football with Kalani Sitake here at Studio C. Go Cougs!